live from the Kima Podcast Studio in Pennsylvania. It's the Kima Podcast, the emergency management podcast for Kima members by Kima members. I'm your host, Paul Falavolito, and joining me for today's episode, it's Miss Amy Amir. Hey, Paul, what's going on? Hey, how are you this Friday evening? I'm pretty good, pretty good. What's going on out there in the West? Oh, you know, more major flooding again in parts of Pennsylvania. And I got to tell you, I'm starting to get pretty good at this closing down roads thing and driving around debris. And uh, check this out. Our friend Gene Commander, uh, who was on the show a couple episodes ago, was in the newspaper today uh, regarding a sinkhole. He was dealing with the North Huntington Township. They had this gigantic 25 by 25 by 20 foot deep sinkhole that opened up literally right beside the daycare center. It's unbelievable, the, the, the picture of this thing. So it's Can just, you send me a link to that? Yeah, I'll send it to you. But, okay. uh, you know, but just unbelievable how, you know, we, we, we live in this world of emergency management and, um, you know, we talk to some of these guests and then you pick up the paper, you know, four or five days later and boom, there they are in the paper doing the emergency management thing. So it really comes uh, full circle, which is which is pretty neat. And, um, you know, we did have a little, you know, if one good thing comes out of yesterday, our Office of Emergency Management social media page had a lot of success, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit later. But what's going on out there? Um, it rained here yesterday. Wow. Big shock. Yeah, I know. I know. If anybody could see my shocked face right now. Um, I was in Wegmans, our grocery store, um, grocery shopping, when it started to rain. And then I stood out there with everybody else. And my car was only like three stalls away. So I I took off my my sneakers, tennis shoes, whatever you want to call them. And it walked over to my car in in my socks because I didn't want my shoes to get wet. What? Sorry. Is this like... I don't want my shoes... Is this like new preparedness 101? Preparedness. Yeah. So I grabbed a plastic bag from Wegmans, put my shoes in there, put the tissues under my arm and went right into my car. <laughs> We're going to have to like write to FEMA and like, you know, ready dot uh, gov and see if we can get that added as a as a survival and prep tip. We, hashtag Amy socks. OK. Yeah. So great. Great. Uh, great story. Um, thanks. Thanks for sharing. And speaking of sharing, you know, we know this is episode 17 of the Kima podcast. Uh, we see the analytics, we see the viewers, we know where people are listening all over, uh, Pennsylvania and all over the country. Our international audience is starting to get a lot bigger in about four different countries, which is fantastic. We just want to ask you a favor. However you listen to us, whether it's Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, iHeartRadio, whatever, if you have the option to leave a star rating, if you would leave us a five-star rating and share us on your social media, that would help us climb the podcasting charts. And, uh, you know, because we're really, you know, we put a lot of time and effort into the show. And, um, you know, so if we could ask that one little favor to everybody, because we really want to insert this into the emergency management podcast space uh, as a highly ranked emergency management podcast show, and uh, in order to climb the charts, they go off of listens, downloads, star ratings, and how much it gets shared. 
I, I really think that that's, I mean, if you guys could really do that for us, we do get a lot of response back um, when we do call for actions and things like that. Our Kima board is ex- extremely proud with the information and the guests that we provide. So, I mean, we get good feedback even from our guests. That's, so that's fantastic. Love to have it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and speaking of sharing and feedback and all these other stuff, uh, I I have to plug our sponsor Alert USA. Um, you know, I I have partnered with Alert USA, and for those of you unfamiliar with that, it's a it's an SMS text uh, service that you can subscribe to annually. If you go to their website, alertusa.com, you can read all about it. They do homeland security and national threat alerts directly to your phone and tablet, and they are fantastic uh, with what they do and the information that they provide. And when I partnered with them, they made a very generous discount to everybody that listens to all of my podcast shows. If you go to their website again, alertusa.com, enter promo code EMS2019, that's going to save you 25% off of their annual subscription from $99 all the way down to $75, which is a fantastic wow. deal. I've been paying the $99 since 2012 when I first subscribed to them. So so right. this is a this is a great deal and uh, I talked with their CEO last night on the phone for a while and uh, he explained to me a little bit deeper about how Alert USA works and where they get their information from and what their worldwide network is and it is a fantastic story and I cannot wait to have him on the show so that everyone else can hear that info and speaking of having people on the show we are going to continue with the theme of having emergency management guests on the show and today we're going to go all the way to the west coast and joining us on the phone today all the way from long beach california she is a cem from the california office of emergency services cal oes jenny novak thanks for being on the kima podcast thanks so much for having me yeah i'm i'm very excited to have you on the show because everywhere i look on mainstream and social media this past week it's all cal oes because of the earthquakes but your social media department does a fantastic job, by the way. So let me point that out and give those folks some props because you guys are Absolutely. everywhere. Do you have anything to do with the social media stuff? No, I actually work in the region. So um, the way our agency is structured, uh, there are three regions in the state. You know, it's such a large state. So I work out of Southern California. And then most of kind of the central centralized functions of the agency, like planning and um, preparedness, grants, social media, all that is pretty much run out of Sacramento, but um, I work here in SoCal. Okay, that's very cool. But the main reason I wanted to have you on the show is because I have a lot of friends that live throughout California, and to me, all the way here in Pennsylvania, it seems like you guys are constantly in this state of response and recovery, like the past few years. If it's not wildfires, and major wildfires that are national news for weeks, it's these earthquakes. Am, am I on kind of like the right track by saying that? Absolutely. I, I think I just actually wrote that earlier today on a post how the past two years have pretty much been response and recovery for our agency. It's, wow. It's been crazy. I think we've we've had like seven or eight major disasters declared just in the past two years, so uh, yeah, the wildfires especially, and now the earthquakes 
um, are something that just keeps us in that response mode. And, you know, recovery is really prolonged, so it's not like one is over before we start with the next incident. Yeah. I, listen, I'm in a st- constant state of awe over Californians and, you know, specifically the emergency management people because, you know, you guys, you guys have every type of disaster that you could possibly have, things we don't think about here uh, in Pennsylvania or even other parts of the country. And it, it's just, it's, it seems like such a top-notch operation that you guys have out there. I mean, specifically the pictures on social media. I saw this one of your, it has to be your EOC, right? Because it looks like NASA's mission control. Yes, um, that's our state operations center, and it is very large. There is a lot of space for different state agencies to come together there. Um, we have a business operations center and a, a utility emergency association, and as well as our law enforcement coordination center that's all off to the side in the side rooms, too. So it's even a little bit um, larger than you might think just by looking at the picture of all the computers on the main floor. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fantastic, the pictures on social media of, of your operation out there. But I'm dying to know, how did you get into e- uh, emergency management? What's your story? What was the path you took? How did you land where you landed today? Well, sure. Um, so I actually got interested in this field because I was studying natural hazards and disasters. Um, I'm a geographer, my background, and senior year of college, I had to study to conduct, and I chose to focus on earthquake and tsunami preparedness. Um, At the time, I was living in Humboldt County, which is way up in Northern California, and it's very close to the Cascadia subduction zone, so tsunami and earthquake are the major threats in that part of the state, so I started looking into that. I started interviewing people that worked around um, the field, even though, you know, a lot of small towns up there, so a lot of um, people that were kind of doing the emergency emergency management function, but not with the title, you know, in a planning department or a researcher or um, any other kind of tangential sort of field um, for emergency management, like fire and law, as we often see. Um, So I started getting interested in the research component of it and decided to go to graduate school to hopefully go into disaster research and eventually become a professor, and that was my my goal. So I moved to Southern California, to USC, actually, and did study disasters there, worked with some faculty that were doing Hurricane Katrina recovery work, um, started doing my own studies on some of the wildfires down here at that time. And then I actually got um, an internship at the City of Los Angeles Emergency Management Department, which was my first time being exposed to a true actual emergency management department. Um, And at that time, I decided that I really was more interested in kind of government and um, going into the field as a practitioner rather than as a researcher, just because I felt like there was more of an opportunity to get things done, to work on projects where you could see a real impact in the real world. Whereas in academia, I felt like I was spending a lot of time reading and writing things that other people were never going to read and things that were just, you know, so dense that most people in the um, general public wouldn't even be interested in it. So I just felt I could make a better impact as a practitioner. So I uh, had a couple of jobs that were between then and now, and that was about 10 years ago that I started that internship. 
Um, since then, I've worked at Orange County Fire Authority, um, NC4. I've worked at uh, California State University. Northridge was my first full-time emergency management job. And I was there for a couple of years um, managing the program, comprehensive program. So, you know, plans, training, exercise. I did a couple of really fun outreach events when I was there for the college students on campus. And, of course, working in that environment was really interesting because we had a population that was very cognizant of earthquakes in particular because the 94 earthquake was so close to the campus and caused so much damage. So it was really an interesting environment to work in with a lot of the staff um, still working there from 25 years ago. So that was that was really cool. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I moved on from there, and now I'm with Cal OES, which I really enjoy because it gives a much broader perspective, really, on emergency management. We get to work with, um, in my region, I work with 11 different counties. I get to know a lot of emergency managers at county level, city level, special districts. I still get to work with higher ed, which I really enjoy um, coming from that background. But this has been a really great experience because we have been, as you mentioned earlier, just so involved in response and recovery and really out there doing some of this work. It's really taught me a lot that I can bring back to the table for planning and preparedness, hazard mitigation, lots of ideas on planning for recovery. I, I see that as so critical after going through these blast responses. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit about me and my story. Yeah, and and so I, I guess the uh, my other question for you is, when you're not in response and recovery mode, like what's a normal day for you at Cal OES? What does that look like? So um, in my position, since I'm in the field and in one of the regions, um, our days, what we're committed to doing in the um, blue skies kind of period is being liaisons with the local government and staying engaged with the community and really being the face of the governor's office down here in Southern California. I know on the East Coast, it's, it may surprise some people, um, but it's at least a seven-hour drive from here to Sacramento. So it wow. is, it's a very large state, and that's where our headquarters is. So they don't get down here that often, um, and we don't really get up there that often either. So it's really important for us to be able to, you know, kind of be the face of the, the agency with um, the local partners. So, you know, it, it really depends on what's going on that week. No week is ever the same um, for me. So, you know, just as an example, one day I might be conducting an exercise with a university. So um, UC Irvine, I worked on just a couple of weeks ago, one of their exercises. And the day before that, I was at a catastrophic earthquake planning meeting for actually it's our agency's plan, but it was being held out in Riverside County, which is a whole other part of the region. And then earlier that week, I had been in Ventura County at one of their emergency management coordination meetings. Um, so we just kind of get out and go to some of these different things that are happening, anything for planning, training, exercising, um, anything that we can do to support our local stakeholders. Um, in our office, we do have um, assignments to different counties for the most part. So I work a lot with Ventura and Inyo counties. Um, and then I also work a lot with the universities because of my background there. So um, really, that's one of the things I love about the job, too, is that there's just so much variety. No day is ever the same. We don't sit behind the desk from eight to five every day. We're out in the community um, working with the different partners. So it's it's been a really good experience for that. Now, I know that 
out in California, you guys obviously have way different, you know, building code and retrofit programs for your infrastructure. Um, and, and I get that in your liaisoning with the public, do you feel as though that most Californians are, are, are in a good state of preparedness because of recent events that have happened? Or do you think they kind of still don't prepare to the level that they probably should? Um, I, I don't think that people are really where they're at, especially because it's been so long since we've had, you know, a truly damaging earthquake in an urban area. Um, even these past earthquakes just um, last week, they, they were larger in magnitude, but they were so far out in the desert that they're still a couple hundred miles away from where most people live. So while most people did feel the shaking, it wasn't enough to even knock stuff off the shelf in most places. So uh, I think that people are paying attention right now. And I think that right now is a really critical time um, for us as emergency managers to get our word out there and to really let people know what they can do to prepare. Um, you know, and I, I think it's really important and something I noticed just in this last incident is to really try to partner more with media because some of our local stations have people on the air um, talking about how they were running and going to doorways. And that's really, you know, we're, we're not recommending doing that. And I, it seems like I feel like a broken record saying drop cover and hold on, but obviously people are still thinking that they need to go to doorways. So it really underscores to me that there's a lot more work to be done when it comes to getting the message out. And I think that, you know, as you mentioned, the building codes, um, I think on an organizational level and for some of those um, laws, we are doing pretty well. We, we're really working on this earthquake early warning system now. We've had really good building codes in place for gosh, since the 70s, so that's been quite a while now, almost 50 years, well, um, but, and so there are some things in place, I think, that do help uh, people, such as, you know, the fact that Hell OES has so much urgency response experience over the last couple of years, and there are good systems in place, so I'd say that organizationally, we're a lot more prepared than people are, you know, individually, just because they haven't really thought of it that much recently, so, um, I think it's really important to continue communicating with the public. Absolutely. Well, listen, I very much appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. And uh, I understand you're on maternity leave right now. Yeah, I just um, I started that last week, so right before the earthquake happened. So um, I've got a little bit of FOMO, fear of missing out over here because of you know, missing the opportunity to help out with the earthquake. But yeah, my my first child's due at the end of the month, so I'm going to be out for the next six months, actually. So yeah, it's going to be nice. Did Did your colleagues send you off with a little baby onesie with a Cal OES logo on it? No, not yet. Maybe when baby's born. We actually we don't know if it's a boy or a girl, so maybe when we find out, um, we'll get something like well, that. Well, listen, if 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 you get one made, you've got to put that picture on Twitter because I think that would be spectacular to see. Yeah, that would be really fun. Yep. I so, will. so Jenny, thank you so much. Best of luck to you, and maybe we'll talk thank to you. you again soon. So there you have it. It's Jenny Novak from Cal OES, Amy. And, uh, you know, what a spectacular 
uh, individual she is and for her taking the time out here. I just, I can't imagine, you know, the, the world that they live in out there with all the disasters that they have to uh, deal with constantly. Yeah, that was a pretty, I mean, she said a lot of valuable, inf- like a lot of information there. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And so, you know, just so that you know and everyone else knows, I have about 35 more interviews lined up. So if you follow me on Twitter at Paul Falavolito, if you click on my profile and click on lists, you can actually subscribe to my emergency management list and you'll see all the people that I'm reaching out to. And, uh, you know, one of the people that is on my target list, Amy, is to get Robbie on this show. My Robbie? Your Robbie at Chester County. Because he and I tweet together all the time. Uh, We are quite aware. We, We actually had a long podcast discussion the other day. Did During you? the staff meeting, yeah. Well, that's good. So, yeah. That's a good thing. So what's new at the Kima News Desk? Um, so we are working still diligently with vendors. We've had a lot of vendors, new vendors reach out. So I'm hoping they sign on here soon. Um, I talked about Marianne coming to the conference. Yeah, from FEMA. Marianne from Region, um, Region 3, FEMA Region 3. I, so I just think that that's um, that's where we stand. I might next week have something to add in. We'll see how. I'll have to talk to, to Bob Gerlach. A surprise announcement for next week's that's episode? Maybe a surprise announcement. Okay. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. great stuff. So and Wait, one oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. 107 days till conference. 107. 107. Can't wait. It's going to be... Okay, sorry. Yeah, 107 days. It's going to go super <laughs> fast. So make your... Hotel reservations across the street because the host hotel, the Kima block is sold out. Correct. But we have another Kima block across the street at the Holiday Inn. Correct. Okay. So don't procrastinate. Make your reservations. Yep. On to today's main discussion point, Amy. And I got to tell you, this this floored me when I found this article online in emergency uh, management, that, uh, that, that website, that I think it's a magazine too. And did you know that Amazon has a disaster relief program? I did not. I was really super like surprised when you posted this in, in the notebook. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. So check this out. So it started two years ago, and it's a five-member team of Amazon product and program managers, and they connect with nonprofits worldwide and are ready to respond to requests for resources during a disaster. Let me give you some examples. Hurricane Harvey, when it hit Houston, Amazon donated life vests to the Coast Guard when their supplies ran low. And during the campfire last year in Northern California, Amazon donated 500 of those little gold rush sifters to the residents so that they could sift through the ashes for their valuables. It's unbelievable, as I read this article, and it just seems like they're very focused on developing big relationships and big partnerships with nonprofits like the Red Cross and Feed America to help people out, and they constantly monitor potential situation, situations around the world that could, lead to, that could lead to a larger disaster. And so far this year, this team has responded to the tsunami in Indonesia, the snowstorm in Seattle, the tornadoes in Alabama and Georgia, and the, and the big cyclone in Mozambique. And 
they have shipped more than 29,000 Amazon and Whole Foods donated relief items, such as hygiene supplies and towels and blankets and water to flood victims in the Midwest. It's unbelievable. I, I reading about this thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. It, it, it just seems so cool. And, and once on the ground during a disaster, Amazon deploys what they call go teams and their skilled trained volunteers who've all completed national incident management system training. Who knew this was a thing in Amazon, but it is, you know? Yeah. And one of the cool things I thought that they mentioned in the article is that this team does not force itself on communities during a disaster that might need help, but they're there if needed. And the other backside of what Amazon does during disasters is they quickly enable donations to partners through their services like Amazon Pay and wish lists. It's wow. unbelievable. I think that's awesome. Like, Maybe we should try it for them. I ne- yeah, I never knew this was a thing, and so I went to Amazon and I tried to find you know, something I, on their site. I couldn't find anything, so this is going to have to require some deeper research on our part to find out who do you contact, how do you get into their network. Um, we just so need I shouldn't to- tell you that I found it. Did you really? Like I'm look, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, cool. Well, let's we'll we'll talk offline and we'll we'll set up some communication to them and see if we can get them on the show to talk about this uh, disaster response team that they had or that they have and um, you know see is that something that like any nonprofit could plug into or is it only like the larger ones like the Red Cross and Feed America? So I mean, think about like all the flooding. Like I just think of. Um, Roy Shipley from Fayette County and all that flooding that he had down there in Uniontown. So, I mean, like, would that have been a benefit to him? Yeah. Amazon I mean, in? I mean, I'm sure it would be a benefit to them, but, um, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic to, to, yeah. to read about this. So I'll send you a link to this. Okay, cool. Discussion point number two. And so, I do another podcast uh, that you've been on for numerous episodes. It's called EMS Talk, and it's a talk show for paramedics, EMTs, and emergency managers. And I had uh, my friend Aram Bronston, who is the Regional Disaster Medical Health Coordinator in Northern California, on my last episode. And we were talking. Such talk- a nice guy. Yeah, he is an awesome such guy. Such a nice guy. And we were talking about, uh, obviously, the earthquakes and, and California and stuff like that. But on the last EMS talk, when I asked him if he felt, because I asked Jenny the same question, when I asked Aram if he felt the public was prepared because they live in an earthquake zone, he started off by saying that he knows many emergency managers who don't even have a go bag. And that shocked me, especially in California. And I started wondering how many of us in Pennsylvania, how many emergency managers can truly say they're ready to go. Now, I know what I've been dealing with here the last three weeks. Um, I'm constantly always adding to what is in my Jeep, and I need to add more stuff that I learned yesterday. Obviously, you need to add socks (laughs) and a lot of socks because – you think it's a great idea to walk around in socks? <laughs> well, I was just going to ask you if you were going to add a life preserver to your <laughs> to your go bag. <laughs> I probably need to. 
<laughs> you know, but it brings up the point, you know, as emergency management, we're always, you know, promoting the hashtags ready.gov and, or ready.gov and, you know, ready PA. Yeah, yeah. We need to have a ready EMC for us to prompt and call to action <laughs> to the emergency management coordinators because we can't preach it if we don't practice it. Truth, truth. It is the truth. And I hope I'll that, you, I, you know, I, I hope that doesn't make all my emergency management colleagues mad, but we have to be ready. And we talked about this like a bunch of episodes ago, specifically with like the PIO go back about, you know, make right. sure you have a good clean polo shirt if you have to do an interview and, you know, make sure you have extra this and that and all this other stuff. But as emergency management coordinators, you know, we're out in it. We need to have a, a little mini base camp that's probably going to be in the back of your vehicle that you can retreat to to change or, you know, get something to eat, get something to drink, write something down. And, I mean, you just need to have that stuff. You're right. You're right. So pack your go bags. My bag's packed. I know that your bag's packed. Except I need new socks in my bag. Oh, I know that you do. <laughs> and with that, the closing music. No. Why does it go so fast? And the closing question, Amy. Paul. How important is it to engage the community on social media during an incident or a disaster? Did you really just ask the PIO that? The PIO who loves social, that question? Go. Okay, so I think it is the most important aspect of public information. That's when I also think it's very important to have a dedicated person when you have a large scale incident going on that's able to monitor social, answer questions, see what's going on. I always talk about the use of social media during our ice storms in 2014. You know, I mean, that's when I was hanging out on Facebook for like 13 hours a day. But that's how we found out that the YMCAs were open for non-members to take showers. How Renna Center was saying, come watch Frozen of all movies and um, have a cup of coffee and charge your phone. We found all that out by social media. Nobody called us and said, hey, guess what we're doing? And then earlier this year, when we had a tornado in the upper part of the county, one of the first things I did being on scene was talk to the responders and find out what local like Facebook groups to join so we could find out what they were saying in the area, maybe see some video, capture some of that stuff. So I could see that as a public information officer so I could help write the press release and things like that. So, don't you have something like that in your, your neck of the woods? Well, I can tell you yesterday the success we had with it. And again, as I'm trying to be the EMS chief, as I'm trying to be the deputy emergency management coordinator during the flood that we had, I'm now also trying to put out messages on social media. And I took some pictures and I made some alert posts and some updates. And my phone never shut up the whole day. We ended up picking up close to 250 new followers on our page yesterday. People were sharing our stuff. The impressions were in the tens of thousands for some of the posts that we were doing yesterday. So we were really able to reach the entire community yesterday and be able to measure that instantly and say, I'm going to make this post and I know it's going to reach virtually everyone in our community because it got shared so many times with all the different white Oak groups on Facebook. And I think the public was very appreciative of having that minute by minute update, but you made a good point. We didn't have a dedicated person to do that. 
It's it, And again, I think that's the story of most municipal emergency management coordinators and their deputies throughout PA is we're going to wear many hats, many different hats during an incident. And with Wait. that, Amy, have a wonderful weekend. You too, Paul. Have a good one. Stay dry. This has been episode 17 of the Kima Podcast. <laughs>